Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, joined once again by Jordan Climac. Jordan, you make your triumphant return. We miss you on Sunday, but very important question for you. What were the vibes in the Muni lot? Because I felt like I was buzzing a little bit just from seeing Browns fans there, seeing the cars line up the night before. Give me your perspective on what it was like pregame. Yeah, man, it was it was truly like something that I've never really experienced before, Henry. Um, you know, I always heard about the great times of like, you know, the older people in my life. It's always about the 80s, 80s. They were so great, this, that, and the other, and nothing will ever match that. I was like, well, I don't know what it was like in the 80s, Henry, but Sunday afternoon had to be pretty close to that. I mean, just the scene of walking down there, everyone was just in the in a good mood i mean i know there was that one fight <laughs> and, uh, i'm sure everyone's seen the video at this point i didn't see it in person but other than that henry i didn't see any fights everyone was just in a good mood you know the world's in kind of like a divided place right now and to kind of see all these people gather together and kind of just put aside all their differences to root for the browns like it was a great time man all the people back in the muni lot and yeah i, I expect it to be like that Maybe not as crazy as it was on Sunday for every Browns home game this year, but I mean, it was a damn good time, Henry. And Browns Nation showed out. The other thing is, too, I don't know if you heard Coach Stefanski earlier in the week. He said, I want everyone to be in their seats for kickoff and have that place wild. And they were in their seats for kickoff. Um, you know, the, the introductions and everything, Henry, it was so crazy. Uh, I looked at the buddies that I was with. I was like, yeah, the Browns are covering this minus 13. The second I heard the crowd didn't end up, uh, you know, working out that way. But, yeah, it was a great time, man. Great to see Browns Nation out there. Well, if you listen to my preview podcast, I advised against going, the, the uh, you know, the minus 13 route just because of the backdoor cover. But it was the vibes, man. I kept, <laughs> like, I was at the Muni lot all day. I was like, I feel like every 20 minutes I was convincing myself again, like, Oh, so great out here. The fans are going to be so great. Oh, this minus 13 has to hit. I talked myself into Henry, and I wish I didn't. <laughs> well, even just being here in Chicago, just being a, a huge fan of the team, I felt a different energy as well, which is why I yeah. wanted to get your take on it. Just seeing Browns fans so excited. I, I think we all were in the same boat uh, as far as the Chiefs game and knowing that it was going to be a tough battle, right? You're going on the road week one against the other AFC team, you know, uh, premier team. There's some nerves there for sure, which overshadowed some of the, the joy. And I don't know if I've ever woken up so excited on a Sunday where I was like, I all right, I, I, I don't want to say I was feeling confident, but more confident than I probably ever felt as a fan or a little bit of swag. I was watching everybody on Twitter just kind of going nuts before the game and the lot. And, and I was just like, man, this is electric. I was like, I, yeah. I am so excited. I can't wait to, to find my way to a game this year. It's got to happen at some point. So I just want to get your take on that because it was a different feeling pregame. I think, especially for younger Browns fans, I was with a couple other Browns fans that are here in Chicago and we were all in the same boat. So I, I do want to transition to the game, but I wanted to get your thoughts on that first because it just seemed like it was wild there. It, it was wild would be an understatement, Henry. Like I, I've been to music festival, festivals, you know, I've been to Bonnaroo three times. Like it had a similar atmosphere to that. And that's just absolutely crazy to think about for a, a bronze game. And, and, the, and the amount of people that like, Henry, I was going, I was talking to people that were like, yo, I had been here since three o'clock yesterday. We're talking Saturday, three o'clock in the afternoon 
just getting in line to get a premier spot in the muni lot people sleeping in their cars i talked to a guy that hadn't slept in two days like it, we're like that's the kind of stuff we were dealing with on sunday and like i don't know like obviously i didn't have the chance to watch the game live but like henry you watching it like were you able to tell how crazy the crowd was from just watching it on tv because it was certainly crazy in person it was uh i would say it definitely came through at the beginning of the game i would say after that i wasn't paying as much attention to it i don't know if that was just in part of, of the way the game went where it wasn't like there was a lot of excitement late some uh, nervous energy yeah yeah there's some nervous energy i'm sure at times in the game but lately down the stretch it did it did feel like the browns had it sealed a little bit so i didn't feel it as much the rest of the game but but yeah, that's a that's a good transition into the game itself, Jordan. What were your thoughts on the game? Browns win 31-21, but some nervous moments. Texans were in it until halftime. What was your overall takeaway from that from the Browns' first home game? So there were some nervous moments, Henry, and, and I, I've seen so many differing opinions, right? Like it, it was so interesting, you know, talking at work you know, the past couple of days, obviously at ESPN Cleveland the people that I work with and the people that did the, our post game show at work. And it was so interesting because they asked me like, Hey, like, what did it feel like walking out of the stadium? Like were people happy? And I was like, hell yeah, people were happy. People were high-fiving, dapping each other up, hugging the Browns just won that kind of thing. But then you talk about the people that watched the game at home, you know, the people that weren't in that atmosphere. And it was a lot of, of vitriol. I mean, it, it really was like people calling for Joe Wood's job and, and, you know, this, that, and the other. And, and look, there were some nervous times on defense. There's definitely some things that need to get cleaned up on defense, Henry. I mean, you can't deny that. You can't ignore that. But I think the overall theme of that game is the fact that the Browns didn't play their best game. I think we can both sit here and say that. Things were pretty sloppy, certainly on the defensive side of the ball. And you walked away with a 10-point win over another NFL team. And that's just an NFL team. And we can talk about the Houston Texans and what we think of them. The fact of the matter is that is a team with a lot of veterans that aren't going to be intimidated by the crowd atmosphere or know what it's going to take to win a lot of former Browns on that team. I think it was just a sneaky, I don't want to say bad matchup, Henry, but you know, the Texans are a better team than I thought. They're, they're definitely certainly better coached than I was thought. That was definitely evident throughout, but I think the overall theme if I'm putting it into perspective, my perspective, Henry, it's the fact that the Browns didn't play their best football game and you won 31 to 21 against a team you definitely should have beat. But the fact that we're at the stage, we can play a sloppy, non-complete football game and beat a team by double digits. Like when have we ever been able to say that? You know, uh, it used to be the Browns would have to play a perfect game just to even compete in the game. Now you win in games where you're having imperfections and you're, and you're doing it by a double digits against an NFL team. At the end of the day, Henry, we're just going to be looking at the wins and loss record, right? Like, I'm not going to be coming back to this game if the Browns win a first-round or second-round playoff game this year and be like, you know, they, they didn't look as good as they could have against the Texans. Like, no, no one's going to remember this in the long run. I think it, there's some growing pains, some things to learn on, but you beat a NFL team by 10 points when you didn't play your best game. That's the theme that Browns fans should be taking away from this one, Henry, and that's certainly the one that I'm taking away. Well, then, Jordan, we're going to disagree on this one because, look, you mentioned it. I think it's a credit to how far this Browns organization has come to be critical in a win, right? Because at the end of the day, like you said, there, you know, it's a 10-point victory. You count the wins and losses. But I think there's room 
for nuance. In the same way that last week we, you know, we talked about leaning toward the optimistic side, right? Even though it was a loss, that that there was room there for for some optimism within the Browns. I think the same can be said this week, but in reverse. And I think you saw Kevin Stefanski say just as much in the post game that that you know just because you won, good teams self reflect when they win and try to improve upon things. And I thought this this Browns defense was playing pretty poorly against what I would, you know, yes, a veteran Texans offense, but not an explosive Texans offense, not a Texans offense with a lot of playmakers, not a Texans offense with a great offensive line outside of Laramie Tunsil. And to me, there was a lot to be concerned about there for the future. Now, I don't think it's going to matter against the Chicago Bears this week, which we'll get into. I'm not even sure it's going to matter for the first half of the season, but. So why does it matter now, because this defense had better improve if they're going to beat some teams coming down the pike. And it like, will. Do you not have faith that it will? Not entirely. Well, so, uh, so last year at this time, we could have been doing this exact same podcast and you could have been asking me, well, what about the offense? You know, we're not seeing things that we wanted to see. We're not seeing the improvements that we wanted. And then the offense clicked and it took off. Like, why, why can't that happen with the defense? Well, you you just you you you're about to make my point for me. I had a lot of confidence in Kevin Stefanski last year included, which was why I was confident in this Browns offense to improve even early last season. I, I pointed that out. And look, there's definitely new personnel on the defensive side of the football. And so I I warned about this in preseason. So I'm going against my former self in this argument. But I have previously defended Joe Woods. I had talked about how last year there was a lot of personnel issues and he couldn't be blamed for that. I am starting to think, and I brought this up on the podcast immediately after the game, there there are more and more questions here that Joe Woods has to answer. I'm not 100% confident in him. I'm not saying it can't happen, but the difference between the offensive side of the football last year and the defensive side of the football this year is the coach who's coordinating that side of the football. I don't have the same level of confidence in Joe Woods. I don't know where you are with him versus the personnel at this point. I'm just very much not panicking. Like I, I I'm really not. Yeah, I'm, I'm like not at all. Like I'm, I'm not even. Like there's not even like a percentage of me that's worried. If if we get into like week week eight, week ten, and we're still sitting here talking about this, then we can be worried. Then we can hit the panic button. But it's week two of a defense where we talked about having what eight, seven, eight new starters on there. A lot of guys having to learn new schemes trying to deal with injuries at the same time. Like it's just, these things don't happen overnight. And I just think people are having a hard time grasping that. Like, like this wasn't going to be perfect right off the bat. And, and that's just the fact of the matter. I, I think as it goes on, we're going to get a lot more comfortable. The urgency is going to kick up. And I think we're going to be sitting here in a couple of weeks, kind of laughing at the fact that we did, you know, we're, we're, I was doing radio shows. We were doing podcasts talking about how embarrassed we were with the Browns defense or whatever. I really think that we're going to get to a point this year where it's like, why were we even talking about that at one point? Why couldn't we just let this play out? Like, that's where I'm at. Like, I, I think that's total opposite end. And like, I, I get that you can talk about the scheme and, and it is certainly in the first quarter and those first couple of drives, it seemed like we would just were, didn't even think the Texans were going to throw the ball. We were lining up in a lot of man coverage that kind of hung Dunzel Ward out to dry so yeah, I, I get I get that you can say all that, but at the end of the day, I have faith in this team to, to figure it out. They have the personnel to do so, and I think that once they click and everything clicks for that defense, I think we're going to be sitting here talking about a different 
type of Browns team. That's why I'm not worried. So I get, I get the point about the two games, and there are pieces I'm not worried about. I think the criticism of Denzel Ward, he did not have a good game. But look, he's got a track record, right? That, Here, that we here's can... what's interesting, though, about that, Henry. I, I didn't mean to pick it off, but like Denzel Ward, like, have you noticed that like the first two games, it seems like there have been a lot of targets his way. And, 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 and to flip it over, there hasn't been a lot of targets Greg Newsom's way. Does that surprise you at all? It does. I mean, here's the thing. I, I tweeted this out as the first drive was happening for the Texans. I was like, I can't believe this is their game plan, first of all. And then yeah. on top of that, I can't believe it's working. I was Ballsy, like, what man. is going on yeah. right now? I was like, the one player I would expect the Texans to avoid in the Browns' back seven would be Denzel Ward, and they would add him with three plays in a row. But so, yeah, I'm, I'm not worried about Denzel Ward. I've seen some criticism of Miles Garrett. I'm not worried about Miles Garrett either. But here's what I am worried about. This team was terrible at getting off the field on third down last year. They are yeah. once again terrible at getting off of the, the field on third down last year or this year so far. They're easily the worst team in the league getting off the field on, on third down. So that part concerns me. That's number one. Number two, the linebackers are basically the same personnel as last year. And while I thought they played better today, I'm st- I still don't have, or better in the game on Sunday. I still don't have a ton of faith in them. So I do worry that weakness is going to persist. But the other reason I'm really worried is we're seeing some of the issues about some of these guys that in particular Jadavion Clowney that have come up over the course of, of his career. Jadavion Clowney disappeared from that game and that cannot happen in a playoff game for the Browns. If you go back and watch the tape, Miles Garrett, not only is going against Laramie Tunsil, the Texans provided help to Laramie Tunsil often. Jadavion Clowney was going against a backup guard playing right tackle. He should have owned that matchup, and he just wasn't there in the game. And he played very well against the Chiefs. I'm not saying his season is over by any means, but it's like these are problems, uh, particularly with the third down defense and with Clowney's inconsistencies. We've seen these in previous years as issues, and so that's the part where I'm like, hey, is this going to get better? I, I like, I think the secondary is going to get better. I think Denzel Ward's going to play better, but there are parts of this defense where I'm like. Oh, those are, those are issues. I'm not sure that are getting fixed. So I can tell you that it's not, I don't think it's an issue. I don't think the Browns are looking at it as an issue. I don't have to, I'm trying to find the stat right now, but I saw it earlier. And it's the fact that Browns, I, I get, they only have three sacks this year and two, uh, I believe two of them are not even from defensive linemen. So I, I, I get the, you can kind of raise an eyebrow at that, but where is the stat? It's something along the lines of the Browns are like fourth in the NFL on on winning uh, uh, blitz rate from the uh, defensive lineman, like they like they are winning their matchup basically every single time this, that the you know the ball is snapped. Like that's just kind of how it is. Maybe you're not getting a sack on every single play, but those guys are winning their matchups. Like I I I, I really am not worried about that. Like I, I get I know you can look at it as stats and say yeah three three sacks or what 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 have you. That's not enough, and and I think that's going to change. I think Miles Garrett will. You know, start 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 adding up more sacks. But Henry, I mean, these guys are winning matchups. I mean, you go back to Week One. I mean, they they were Jadavion Clowney and Miles Garrett were both basically in the backfield on every single play of that Chiefs game. The problem is, you're playing the best guy in the NFL, maybe history, at avoiding sacks. Like I've never seen anyone that can step up in a pocket and then shift to the right, and then all of a sudden it becomes the improvising that Patrick Mahomes does with you know the Tyreek Hill. That's how he has the big play, the one you know seventy five yard touchdown, like. The fact of the matter is the Browns are winning their matchups. They're just not getting the sacks right now. And I think that that, if you're looking at that as a long-term thing, if you're winning your matchups, 
but the numbers aren't there yet. Like I like that's going to change. I think that's why I'm not worried about it. Yeah, I guess I just I just so I agree with you about the Browns in, in week one won their matchups across the board. In week two, I thought Malik McDowell won his matchup. I thought Miles Garrett won his matchup. I thought Jadavion Glani had the best matchup on the field and did not win his matchup. And and yes, we're dealing with a small sample size here. But to me, that's just the overall problem with Clowney is it's not that he's not a good player. It's not that he's not going to wreck some games. It's that, hey, when the Houston Texans have one of the best left tackles in the league and Miles Garrett is getting double teamed a lot, like the whole point is Jadavion Clowney is then supposed to feast. And he just didn't do that in this game. I thought Tyra Taylor was way too comfortable in the first half. And so that was where... I, I saw a, a problem that, that worries me. Again, I don't think it's going to be an immediate issue. And Jadavion Clowney is going to have a lot of good games this season. But it's one of those things where, hey, if it's not his Sunday in the wildcard round, what are the, you know, what are the Browns going to do? Are they going to start blitzing a lot more? Joe Woods traditionally doesn't blitz a whole lot. He's relied on that front four to get home. So in, in the aggregate, yes, I think the Browns are going to get more sacks. I'm not worried about Miles Garrett. I know some people are saying, you know, he, he hasn't he hasn't made as much of an impact these first two games. I disagree with that. I think he has. But there are there are components of this defense I'm not 100 percent confident. And in the third down defense, too. I mean, what is going on there where they can't get it's, off? The it's field something on third uh, down. something about a third and 14 is just going to like haunt this team forever, isn't it? <laughs> I That's a major issue. I mean, teams do not overcome that. It's you look at the bottom defenses in the league. A lot of them can't get off the field on third down in obvious passing situations. Now that to me points to something schematically that the Browns might need to think about. I don't know if it's just that they're too predictable. You know, Woods loves to play a lot of the same schemes that are analytically very friendly, but it does seem like teams are are taking advantage of of them at times. So yeah, I, that's the part where, uh, you know, I'm not, I, I don't want to, uh, you know, a spell doom the whole time. I, there's plenty of reasons to be optimistic about the game, which which I can get into. But the defense, I I came away thinking, man, that was really not the performance I was looking for out of that side of the football. What do you need? Like, you do you need to see stats from Clowney? Like, does it need to be he's winning his matchup every time? Like, what more do you need to see to Clowney? I'm not even saying that you're wrong. I just want to get like your opinion on what more you need to see from him. Like, what would like? Because I, I don't base everything off. Of that's and I, I don't think you're that guy either so like what exactly do you need to see from Clowney yeah I just think when the match when you when the matchup dictates that he should have the advantage right I, I think that's going to happen more than has ever happened in his career before with Miles Garrett on the other side I need to feel his presence in the game and I just didn't feel like he was in in the backfield as much as I expected him to be in this one so yeah as I said he's got plenty of games to to prove me wrong but it to me yeah, I'm not necessarily married to the idea of sacks, but I didn't feel like he had a lot of pressures. I didn't feel like he was blowing up a lot of play, you know, obvious passing plays where, you know, he was so quick off the ball with that bull rush that he just collapsed the pocket. You know, that that's those to me are his, you know, signature plays. And I just didn't feel them happening in the game. Real quick. Um, I have the stats now. Um, the Browns as a team rank fifth right now. The NFL through two weeks at fifth uh, pass rush win rate at 56% of the snaps. Jadavion Clowney ranks ninth out of every single edge rusher in the in the NFL at 32%. So like I, I just have faith that seeing those numbers and seeing those stats, those 
those analytics, I feel like that's just bound to turn around at some point, right? Like you're the, you're bound to start getting more sacks if that's the case. I just think that has to happen. Maybe, maybe I'd be curious to see the the game one versus game two splits. I thought he had a great game against the Chiefs too. Like to be clear, I thought Jadavion Clowney was yeah. awesome in, in the first game. So I don't know if they break that down or not. I also think that's a credit to Malik McDowell, who's one of the you know to transition to the positives. I thought there were a couple other you know things that are worth pointing out and. You know, the Browns, I mean, they had a, a, a plenty of positives, too. Malik McDowell was a positive. Trent Delphit had to be a positive. Demetrius Felton had to be a positive. There were plenty of things. And, again, I'm going to keep talking about it because I'm, I'm telling you, Jordan, in three weeks' time, the Browns are going to be – we'll call it four weeks' time. The Browns are going to be four and two, or I'll call it four and two, but maybe even five and one uh, if, I'm, if I'm being too optimistic. But – and people are going to start talking about Baker Mayfield and how well he's playing this season because for some reason they're not talking about him right now. There's a lot yeah. of Derek Carr buzz. There's a lot of Dak Prescott buzz. Is no it's because paying, two picks. It's because two picks. And no, neither of them were his fault. <laughs> I, I, I have been plenty skeptical of Baker Mayfield. I have gotten criticism from Browns fans for being way too skeptical of Baker Mayfield. The first two games, he's been incredible. I mean, in, in the first week of the season, he had simultaneously the most aggressive throws and the highest completion percentage of those throws down the field. Like he was just ripping the ball into tight windows. And I thought the same was true in this game against the Texans. I was I was going through it earlier. I was like, you know, throw out the picks. Um, has there been a throw? Because one of my criticisms of Baker last year was like, okay, he's really accurate. But then there would just be these misses where you were like, how did he yeah. miss that guy? He was wide open. And that was especially true earlier in the season. Has there been a single throw like that this year where you're like, oh, that guy was really open and Baker just missed him? I can't think of one. Like there was one where David and Joku like kind of scrambled and Baker was on the run and he overthrew him in the Chiefs game. And I think that might be his worst throw other than the interceptions. And again, as you pointed out, the interception in this game was, was Anthony Schwartz's fault. Not sure why he broke off that route, but he's playing incredible. And if he's going to keep playing this way, I mean, this offense, this not, so this is where like analytics come into play and almost demonstrate that this offense is even better is yeah. They've scored 31 points and scored 31 points against the Texans. They didn't have the ball that much. Their efficiency is crazy. They've scored a touchdown every single time they've been in the red zone. Like yes. this offense is unstoppable right now with Baker playing as well. Henry, think about this too. I think, I want to say there were only three targets to wide receivers as a whole in that game on Sunday. Three targets to wide receivers as a whole when Jarvis Landry went out. And you still scored 31 points. (laughs) I mean, seriously. Think about that for a second. Baker Mayfield, 40 of 49 on the year. And again, I think that what you were talking about, the lack of buzz about talking about how good he's playing, I just think that people – in general, it's kind of just generalized things by stats, right? And, and the two things of a quarterback that you're always going to immediately look at is touchdowns and interceptions. And right now it's just one touchdown versus two interceptions. And the one touchdown actually came on the Demetric Felton, where I would say that Felton probably did 98% of the work on that play. So I think that's probably why the people are. But like to his accuracy, which you're – your point, I think that's the it's accuracy and efficiency. Those are the two things when I think of Baker Mayfield at this point in his career. I mean, 81%. Anyway, did you see the stat that that is the highest completion percentage through two starts to a season by any quarterback in NFL history? I did see that stat. And again, this is not 
you know, this is not dink and dunk. This is not Alex no. Smith. This is not Kirk Cousins. Baker Mayfield is pushing the ball down the field and completing that many passes. Yeah, exactly. And I think the Browns as a whole are averaging like eight yards of play on offense, which is third in the NFL. I, I mean, it's, it's just really – I think, Henry, what we're seeing now is a byproduct of Baker just totally being comfortable in an offense, right? Like I, I think that those first couple of years it was all like, you know, he had the Hugh Jackson offense, the Todd Haley offense, and it was, you know, the Freddie Kitchens offense, this thing, that thing, like in like three, four different offenses they had to learn. Now he got one that's perfect for what he does. He understands what his head coach wants of him. Stefanski understands what he needs of Baker. And I just think we're seeing a quarterback that's totally comfortable. And I mean, the sky's the limit for him at this point, Henry. I mean, if this keeps up, I mean, I talked about it before the season started. I wrote an article about bold predictions, and I, and I was saying that I think that there's a really good shot that Baker Mayfield is going to find himself in the MVP conversation at some point this year. And the way he started right now, if, if this continues, I, I, I think that's going to come into fruition. Yeah, we'll see if the, the counting stats get up there, but I'm telling you, yeah, mark it down week six, week eight. It's coming at some point. I don't know if it's after the Browns you know, play on Thursday night against the Broncos or something like that. Here's but- the thing. And don't you think that too, just like how efficient he's been and all that, like, don't you think that we're getting closer to like a four or five touchdown game from him? Like, I feel like that's coming here soon. Well, maybe coming this weekend, which we can get to in a second. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's make that transition uh, to, you know, the, the bears game and some of the stuff there's a lot to get to in this game because of a couple of key things. And we'll start with the Browns injuries first, though the bears might be more relevant, but Jarvis Landry, we found out today, headed to the IR. It's a sprained yeah. MCL, usually a two- to four-week injury. This means he'll miss at least three weeks going to the IR. This gives the Browns the ability to activate another wide receiver. Makes sense. You know, Odell Beckham Jr., hopefully, knock on wood, is going to play this weekend. But, it, you know, they they need another receiver available to them here. So not surprising that Landry goes to IR, Jordan. But Baker is going to be without his, his favorite receiver, his safety blanket. Yeah, he, he is. And I think that, look, I like I don't think that the Browns are like, I think that Jarvis is, you know, obviously his leadership and all that on and off the field. I think they'll miss that. But in terms of on field, I just think that they have guys that can step up at like, at, you know, as their name is called and, and the kind of guys like a Rashard Higgins, who we haven't seen a lot of this year. Um, and they, I guess apparently he was dealing with an injury and he's getting better. I think we're going to see more Rashard Higgins as the year goes on. Donovan Peoples-Jones had the great training camp, hasn't done a lot this year. I think only two catches for 18 yards this year, which is interesting because you thought you would have seen more from him the way he produced in training camp. That's a guy that I think can step up. Demetrius Felton most most recently is a guy that can step up and is going to get some reps at wide receiver as we predicted. And then Henry, you have the three tight ends. That was that was the other thing that we saw. Like I just talked about how we didn't see, you know, there wasn't an ample amount of of targets for wide receivers. Harrison Bryant had the biggest catch of the game for the Browns that set up the first touchdown. And Joku has, has shined in that Chiefs game. I thought Austin Hooper, uh, talk about a guy that has, has gone under the radar. I think he's played a pretty damn good first two games, especially this past Sunday. When you talk about his percentage of snaps, his, his, uh, you know, his ability to run block, and he had, I think, five catches for 40 or 50 yards. I, I think he's had a really good year so far as well. So I think that the tight ends are going to get see more volume, Henry. And then, of course, if Odell comes back, uh, we'll see what happens there, how much you even want to, you know, 
run him out there. But I, I really do think that Odell is going to be full go if he's able to go. I just I think that he could have played in these first two games, but the Browns wanted him out there when it was, look, we don't have to put a snap count hold on you. We don't have to worry about you getting hit. That I think we're going to bring you back when we know that we can just, you know, take the leash off and just run. And I think that's that's what it's going to be this Sunday if he plays and, you know, basing off of his social media and all the things he's saying, it certainly sounds like he's on pace. And then of course the transaction today with the Browns who uh, Davion Davis was reinstated by the NFL yesterday, released by the Browns and then signed again today to the practice squad. So we'll see if they activate him for Sunday's game, but I don't think that we're going to miss Jarvis too much because I think we got have guys that can step up in this three or four week absence. Yeah, if if there was games to miss for Jarvis, look, the Bears, which we'll yeah. get into in a second, their secondary is, is pretty terrible. The Vikings have been absolutely dreadful uh, two weeks from now. The Chargers, more of a middle-tier secondary. I think some people thought that secondary was going to be better. They've looked okay through two weeks, uh, not insanely good. But that, that one, the, the Browns could miss him a little bit. And then if he has to miss another week, you're talking about the Cardinals secondary, another secondary that has looked absolutely dreadful so far this season. So, if there was a stretch of games to miss, this is it for Landry. But I do think getting Odell Beckham back for this week could be huge because of the matchup. And the yeah, we'll we'll get into the quarterback stuff with the Bears in a second. But let's start with it with this side of the football because the Bears have one stud corner in Jalen Johnson, and then they have nothing. The rest of their corners have been a disaster. They let Kyle Fuller go. They're rotating guys in the slot who have been terrible. Kendall Wilder is playing opposite uh, of Johnson, and he has looked pretty bad so far this season. And Johnson, you know, is he going to, you know, he's been great so far, but he, is he even going to match up with Odell Beckham Jr.? And even if he does, you're looking at Demetric Felton and Anthony Schwartz against these terrible slot corners. I think the Browns receivers. Uh, I've saw some stuff about how they haven't produced compared to the rest of the NFL very well so far this year. I think they're going to have a field day. And I think Odell Beckham Jr. could have a field day in his return against this pair secondary. Yeah, without question. And that, that brings up something that I was thinking about earlier today, Henry. Um, I think whether you agree with this philosophy or not, and I don't think any, it, it would be weird for anyone to agree with this, but I think it's at the point where the Browns know who they are and that's someone that can score 30 points without even, you know, basically trying. I, I think that they understand that they're, it's basically for the Browns this season is going to be, look, we're going to score good luck trying to outscore us. I, I really do think that that's going to be how a lot of these Browns games go this year. And, and that being the case, I, I think they're in, like you said, they're in for a field day. These wide receivers are in for a field day. I think the tight ends are going to have a great day. And then of course, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Like I think that the Browns are going to put up 30 points consistently this year, like they basically have through these two weeks, that definitely carries over into Sunday's game against the Bears as well, Henry. But I want to get that point in because what you were just saying about how they're going to feast against this Bears defense reminded me of that. Like, I, I really do think that that's what the Browns believe this year is like, look, we're going to do what we want on offense and good luck. I'm with you. I do think that the Browns are going to feast. I do think this is going to be a huge Baker game. Uh, I, you know, not only have uh, the Bears corner struggled. Eddie Jackson, their, their safety, had a terrible first game against the Rams. Uh, they've got Alec Ogletree's really struggled in pass coverage for them as a linebacker now. On the flip side, they have Roquan Smith, who is one of the best run defenders in the league. I do think that they'll have, you know, the Bears over these last couple of years have been a very solid run defense. Uh, they've got some stout tackles in there as well with, with Hicks and, and uh, Eddie Goldman. So, 
those guys uh, could cause some problems in the run game. I do think, as I said, the Browns are going to have a big day passing. My only hesitation, my only slight concern, Jordan, is you're talking about uh, either a hampered Jed Wills or a or yeah. Blake Hance against Khalil Mack. And then on the flip side, I'm not panicking yet by any means, but Jack Conklin has had some bad reps in, in pass protection. He He obviously was great last year. And he's still mashing people in the run game. But there's just been a couple times this year where he's gotten beat off the edge more easily than we saw last season. So he's facing a guy in Robert Quinn that is also an extremely, extremely capable pass rusher. So that's the only way I could see this Browns offense struggling. Are you at all concerned about those matchups on the edge? Maybe the left tackle, but I mean, we'll see. I, I think Khalil Mack has, hasn't been the same Khalil Mack for a, about a, a good, the better part of a year and a half at this point. Um, of course, he still has the ability, I mean, the talent that he possesses to wreck a game. But to Jack Conklin, again, um, looking at this now, highest pass block win rate uh, out of all tackles, not just right or left. Uh, Jack Conklin ranks eighth in the entire NFL. Henry's he's winning 94% of his matchups right now. And number one is 96. So, uh, not worried about him on the right side. Um, the Browns offensive line has been as advertised for the first couple of games. The only thing that can slightly worry me, like I said, is that Khalil Mack thing, but I, I, I just don't know. I got to see Khalil Mack wreck a game um, before I can have faith in that. Hit. Like I, of course I have faith that he can do it again, but I'd have to see. I don't think Sunday is going to be the game where we look back at like a Khalil Mack turn the clock back as I'm using air quotes type game. Yeah, I, I think I honestly don't think Mac has declined as some people think he has. I think, you know, last year, Robert Quinn had a down year and Khalil Mack faced a ton of double teams. Um, but I also think he's about to see a ton of double teams again on Sunday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think there's right. very, uh, it's very unlikely that that the Browns leave either a uh, hamper Jed Wills or, or frankly, I almost hope they go with Blake Hans. Jed Wills really struggled to move in that game. He, he was yeah, not he healthy. I, I was I, shocked I, to see that he was active for that game. He, uh, I, I said on the podcast afterwards, I was not going to criticize him at all for trying to give it a go. You know your backup's out, but he really could not move and did not have a great game. I hope they just rest him. Like Blake Hans can play left tackle. He, uh, I, I tweeted this out. He played left tackle for four years at Northwestern. Yes, he's been a guard in the pro. Yes, he's not an ideal left tackle. He lacks the athleticism and speed to play that position, but like he's familiar with the position. He's not going to be terrible Jed Wills needs to be healthier than that to play. I was just like, hey, this is week two against the Texans. Like, can we protect this guy a little bit? Like, admire him for putting it all out there. But could the coaching staff, like, can we can we rein it in a little bit here? Because he clearly was not 100%. Yeah, it's funny. I was drinking in the Muni line. I had a buddy look at me. He's like, hey, Wills is active. And I was like, how drunk are you already that you're saying something like that? <laughs> I was like, ended up being that he actually was active. So I was totally shocked to see that. Like to your point, like you're never going to fault someone for trying to play through an injury, especially when the team is shorthanded at that position, Henry. But yeah, that, that was noticeable. And I think he, it was hard to tell being at the game, but he came out relatively early in that game. No. Yeah. He, as soon as the Browns are up two scores, they actually pulled him and, and, and moved hands over to tackle there. So I, 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 again, I hope they do that just from the jump this week. I don't necessarily see the reason to play him more than, than you need to in a situation like this, especially because I think the Browns are going to be successful against the bears, even without him. So I I do think the, you know, the, the interior of the Browns offensive line is still 
as solid as can be, I think they're going to be able to run the, the football reasonably well. But more importantly, I think Baker's just going to dice the, the Bears up. Yeah, like I said, I think I think we're in store for one of these four or five touchdown games from Baker, and I certainly think it's coming this week. I want to see another stretch though, where there are like just no interceptions, like we were last year. Again, talked about the first two this year. Uh, first game was on the tight end. I don't remember who it was off the top of my head, but uh, that Anthony Schwartz play. I mean, like, dude, you gotta understand. Like, you're in the NFL. I know that you're a smaller guy, but like, you're gonna get hit if you're going out over the middle. You know what you're going over the middle for. And uh, you got to finish that route. So I have faith that Baker turns around. Give me four at minimum on Sunday, Henry. Wow. Big, big, full yeah. prediction yeah. there. Exactly. Let's go. Well, let's go to the other side of the football, Jordan, because the real big story from this game from a national media perspective is going to be that it seems like it's trending toward Justin Fields' first start. Now, Matt Nagy said that if Andy Dalton is healthy, he will be the starter in this game. So but, stupid. <laughs> yeah, which, which does seem stupid anyway, but – yeah, Andy Dalton has a bone bruise. Those typically are, are very painful, very difficult to play on. I'd be surprised if he's active in, in this one, and that's what I've read from, from Bears beat writers as well. So, I mean, well, first off, you know, forgetting what they should be doing long-term as a franchise, do you think Justin Fields or Andy Dalton would be your preferred matchup against the Browns on Sunday if you're a Browns fan? Oh, it would without question. Question, and I mean, like, unequivocally, Henry B. Andy Dalton. I, I actually think that watching the Browns' defense and kind of looking at the film on them in the past couple weeks, I, I, there hasn't there there have been you know gaps in this Browns' defense where if you're a quarterback and you're able to bust something outside to the left or right, like you can pick up yards running as a quarterback on this Browns' defense. Go back and look at the film. A lot of runs were there for Patrick Mahomes. A lot of runs were there for Tyrod Taylor, and then Mills before he came in. Uh, you know, I mean, now he's a rookie. I, I don't expect him to, you know, notice those kind of things. But like, I guess you could say the same about Justin Fields. But I think Justin Fields, watching him and studying him closely for the two years that I did at Ohio State, like very, very underrated runner and a physical runner too. Um, I, I definitely think that he there would be some opportunities for him to pick up some big chunk yardage running the ball against this Browns defense. Not so much worried about his his arm. Uh, he didn't have the best showing last week. Uh, in, in limited action, but I think that Andy Dalton, the guy who's less mobile than Justin Fields, is without question the better matchup for this Browns defense. See, I actually I, I disagree with you. Uh, and really, here's why. Uh, number one, because if you think about what we saw last week with Terod Taylor, like a guy that's yeah not a great, but like a veteran who can dice you up a little bit in the in the intermediate routes, the short routes, get the ball out quickly, not allow that defensive line to get home. I think that's somebody that that the Browns. I mean, we just saw it last week or are struggling with right now. I, I hear you on the field mobility part. That definitely worries yeah. me. But I think he's going to get destroyed in this game if he plays. I because You look at Ohio State. You look at the numbers from the preseason in the games last week. Field is holding on to the ball more than any other quarterback in the NFL. And, yes, the Bears brought in Jason Peters, who's done okay so far. But – they are really weak at the tackle spots. Their their center has been this has been a huge storyline. Has been god awful, like one of the worst offensive linemen in the entire league so far this season. I think the Browns are going to live in the backfield with Justin Fields, and I think I think what makes just why well, I think Justin Fields is a better player. I mean, clearly long term, but why I'm I was high on him coming out of the draft. He throws just an incredible deep ball, just incredible. Yeah, exactly. To me, that's one of the not, best I've ever seen. Yeah, I. 
I don't think he's going to have the time to do that against the Browns defense. And I also don't think that's really the best way to beat the Browns defense. I think it's better to get the linebackers out in space, better to make the safeties tackle in the intermediate areas. I just don't think Justin Fields is going to be able to do that. I also think being a rookie, your first road game is against the Browns, is against Miles Garrett. In I, I, I see I see some disaster potential here for Justin Fields. I, I'm not calling for it, but like if he goes out there and throws like for 150 yards and three picks, like I would not be surprised. Yeah, and like I said, like I nothing. I, I was I'm not worried about the Justin Fields arm. I'm just worried about the, his mobility. That, that's all. That's what I really yeah. only think could be the only you know problem with that matchup. And, and and that's a fair point. The Browns were terrible with, with Patrick Mahomes' mobility in Week One. Fields has done he's looked great running the football. Uh, as you mentioned, he runs physical, which, as we know, with some yeah. of the Browns tackling struggles could be an issue, too. So I definitely hear you on that front. I just think as I'm looking at this defense, yes, I was very pessimistic about them at the beginning of the season. To me, if Justin Fields is starting this game, this is like a get right game where you just absolutely yeah. feast. And it's funny, too, because I'm looking at it right now and the Bears don't have a single offensive lineman ranked at top 10 at any single any position on the offensive line so far through two games. The Browns have four. So, I mean, just to flip that over, like, to the difference in the offensive line for both teams. And to your point earlier about, like, needing to see more from this def- defensive line, like, if we go another game with no sacks against, you know, this feeble <laughs> Chicago Bears uh, offensive line, then I think that we can be sitting here saying, I don't think we're panicking yet, Henry, but I think we're saying, like, okay, like, Miles, what what the hell? Jadavian, what the hell? Or it's, it's three weeks now against – a bad offensive line this week and and we didn't see any sacks now I don't think that's going to be the case but it'll certainly be interesting to take on all of that if that does happen on Sunday and what I mean by does happening if the Browns not getting more pressure I mean they're getting pressure but not getting the home to get the sacks because to your point a rookie quarterback uh we saw Mills struggle last week for the Texans uh not the easiest of environment to play in too uh when you haven't played in front of a crowd in, in like a year I mean I know Fields has this year, but the Browns fans are hungry, man. And uh, it could definitely be a uh, recipe for disaster for the Bears. The Browns defensive line needs to get after it on Sunday, and I think they will. I, I think they will, too. Uh, you know, you look on the other side of the ball, uh, you know, with the battle of the trenches, it's like, yes, the Browns, you know, the, arguably the best offensive line in the league. But, you know, the Bears probably top five, you know, a defensive line across the board. You could see how that's like a heavyweight fight, right? Like maybe the Bears win some matchups. Maybe it's not as easy as we think on uh, th- that side of the football, but you flip it over to this side and you're like, well, I mean, the difference here is so, just the Bears offensive line. Just has, It doesn't seem like it's going to stand a chance against the Browns. So what's interesting, Henry, is I, I know that you can see here in the personnel for the Bears is great, but for the first two games, it has been very, less than impressive. Um, oh, I, team... I, I, I disagree with that. I thought they annihilated so? the Bengals uh, in uh, offensive line last week. I mean, what, they have five well, sacks against Burrow, think, three picks? I, Henry, I think you and I, and then if we both picked like two friends, could maybe annihilate the Bengals' offensive line. <laughs> so, like, and, and and looking at the stats right now, it's I mean, twenty the the Bears rank twenty third in pass rush win win rate and twenty sixth in in run stop win rate. So, I mean, they're in the bottom, you know, seven in in each category. And I know it's just through two weeks and all that, but yeah, like, yeah. But I mean, if we're sitting here looking at the Browns defense and saying we're worried about the stats there, but they're actually winning their matchups, and then you flip it over on the Bears and say you're not, and they aren't really winning their matchups, I don't know. It's kind of an interesting juxtaposition. 
Well, as you said, it's two weeks. I think, you know, if you go back and look at the Bears the last three or four years, you know, they've had a top five run defense pretty much every year. They were fifth last year against the run. Like it's the same personnel too, right? Like it's the same yeah. guys basically for the Bears. So I I do think that, that the Bears have a, a top uh, tier front four in particular. I think they've also got two solid D tackles inside as well, in addition to Quinn and, and Mac. But you know, on the other side of the football, I think their offensive line, you know, Jason Peters is better than who they were going to have at left tackle, but I think Garrett's speed is going to give him tons of problems. Uh, I think Garrett's going to wear him down throughout the game as well. I think the Browns are way better equipped to deal with a receiver like Allen Robinson than they were last year. You know, that may be the kind of guy that Ward struggles with a little bit, but guess what? You've got a more physical corner in Newsom who can match yeah. up with him. You've got some better safeties that will also be able to match up with him. And, you know, if the Browns are going zone that I think those guys will be able to make some plays. So I am, I, uh, despite what I said uh, uh, earlier in the podcast, I'm way more bullish about the Browns defense this week and not, not to say I'm not optimistic about, about the Browns offense, but I, you know, they, they are playing, I think a slightly tougher matchup than they've seen the first. And then here's the thing, Henry. I mean, we're all, we all fall victim to this immediate like reaction, right? Like sometimes like, and like for me, I was kind of the same way, right? Because I was at the game, kind of like, man, like what? Like I thought we would be so much better than this on defense, this, that, and the other. Then you have 48 hours to kind of digest it and then let it play out and you kind of start to look at things with more of a level head. And I, I kind of think that's where we're at this week as Browns fans. Yeah, I, 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 I do think, you know, there's, you know, but, we're dealing with small sample sizes, but. It, and I did want to say too, before we sign off, um, I, I think this game is going to be. I think for the Browns, it's going to be pretty similar to it was in terms of like score and, and like maybe I think there's going to be times in this game where, you know, don't be surprised if early in the first quarter, the bears have a lead or, or, or something like that. Right. Like I, I feel like this game, I, I don't, I expect the Browns to play well. I don't know if they're going to blow out the bears. I, I, I look at it as like maybe a seven to 10 point win again. I, I look at it as something like that. And again, not nothing to be discouraged over. If that's the case. You got to win against a good football team. I'm I'm actually more optimistic than you this week. You know, I I told okay. Browns fans not to take the spread last week. I told you know I obviously was high on the Chiefs week one. Seven and a half right now is the line. That's I think the Browns are going to win this game by two scores. And and not only for the you know the reasons we mentioned so far, you know you, you have potentially a rookie quarterback making his first start on the road against a good defensive line. You've got you know the, the Browns matchups on the other side of the football. But one thing we haven't brought up too is you're talking about. Do I have the faith in the coaching staff? And I have tremendous faith in Kevin Stefanski to yeah. scheme up, you know, to avoid some of the Browns' problems and injuries on the offensive side of the football. On the flip side, I have no faith in Matt Nagy to scheme up something for Justin Fields. Oh, I've been God, a, no. a Nagy defender <laughs> for some, you know, uh, over the last couple of years, and I and I might have to just take the loss on that one. Yeah, you you take you got to take the L on that one, man. <laughs> I, I mean, look, I thought he, I was like, he went to the playoffs with Mitch Trubisky. Like, I feel like people are underselling that part. Yeah, the NFC though, man. But, mm. but yeah, I think this season, uh, you know, number one, just the, the personnel decisions that they've made is one thing. But then on top of that, I, I, I haven't been impressed with the play calling either. So I, I feel very good about the Browns chances this week. I, I just, cause I think, I don't think the bears are going to be able to score no matter who's the quarterback. And I, at some point, I think, you know, even if the Browns have gone against two bad defenses, the baseline for this Browns offense is such that I just feel like this is like a, you know, 
a 28 to 10 kind of game, a 28, 13 kind of game, a 31, you know, 14 kind of game. I I'm feeling very optimistic. I'm feeling bullish about the Browns and, and I think they're in a good spot with, you know, coming off this Texans victory, they're not going to come out flat against the bears. I think there was, you know, some questions still kind of floating. I like the way, uh, what I heard from Stefanski after the game. So I, I think they're going to murder the bears. I really do. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I'm coming Whoa. in too strong, but I, I'm usually the pessimist. I feel like, and I, as I was I looking at this game, I was just like, go, I mean, go watch some of what the Bears slot corners. I was reading some Bears beat writers and they were chopping up some video and maybe that's just, uh, yeah, influencing my take too much, but these dudes are getting burned. And I'm just like, yeah. I cannot wait to watch Demetrius Felton run a, a route against one of these slot corners. It's going to be dreadful. Yeah, and it's so so funny too. You hit on the exactly what I was going to hit on next. And it's like, my God, the coaching advantage. On the, I mean, it couldn't be more lopsided in this matchup. It's like LeBron going up against like, jetty osmond or something you know what i mean like i mean that, that's how that's how different this the coaching is and i'm it's gonna be the case for the browns in a lot of games right i mean week one i think you give the, the edge to andy Reid just based off of experience certainly had the coaching advantage coaching advantage last week you're gonna have it this week you're gonna have it in minnesota against mike zimmer you're gonna have it against cliff kingsbury like going into a lot of these games you're gonna have the coaching advantage and a lot of these close games come down to that so the browns are definitely in a good place henry i agree with you i'm not as bullish as you are which is I feel like that's like one of the first times we can ever say that on this podcast. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but um, I'm looking at, yeah, like a, a 28-17 type win, I, I think is what the Browns uh, pull out on Sunday. Yeah, I, I, we'll see. I'm in the Chicago area, so I, I'm certainly hoping that the Browns are going to do well. Otherwise, I'll, I'll hear from a lot of Bears fans who I'll probably be watching with this weekend. But I, I do feel pretty good about it. I, I, you mentioned the Cardinals. Go ahead and boy, can I not wait for the Browns? For oh the yeah, Cardinals. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm hearing the chatter. They're two and zero. Nobody's talking about the fact Is that Kyler that the MVP. Yeah, yeah the, no, the no. defense was absolutely <laughs> garbage and and should have lost that game to Minnesota, who is not a good football team, as we saw in Week One. So yeah, no, I, I, yeah, you're, you're going to hear Kyler Murray MVP talk uh, until Week Six, and then, and yeah. I think. I think some things might change, but we'll see. That's that's a that's another podcast, Jordan. I'm getting <laughs> right. over my head here, but well, focus bears. As I said, I'm feeling pretty good, so we'll we'll have you know uh, more to say on Sunday after the game once things all shake out here, Jordan. But I don't have anything else on the game. I don't know if you do. No, man. I, th I think we're ready to go. I'm ready for uh, some more bronze action, man. I gotta. My, my next move is trying to figure out if I'm going to be back in the media lot on Sunday. <laughs> uh, and, and I don't know, man, because it was so great last because, man, do I just buy tickets again? Do I try and get some tickets to work? Right? What do I got to do here? I, I don't know. Uh, we'll see what's going on there. But, yeah, I'm just excited for another Browns game and another game where you should kick some ass, too. So let's go. All right. We will wrap it up on that note, Browns fans. I will have – a preview as well with Zach Zach Pearson from thebearreport.com. We'll see if he can change my tune at all on the Browns matchup against the Bears. But frankly, I don't think he's going to. We'll, we'll, <laughs> but we'll see. Well, he'll try his best. So that will come out before the game uh, this weekend. Uh, however, that will do it for, for Jordan and I this week. And then we'll be back with post-game reaction on Sunday. So until then, Browns fans, two words for you. Go Browns. Let's go.